top five stories of the day coming up here in just a bit. If you're just getting after it today with your sports talk, fun night last night for the Oklahoma Sooners as they knock off West Virginia 72-62 to on the men's side. The women's team dominates Oklahoma State in the first round of Bedlam. So, uh, and, and by the way, Iowa State on the men's side, I'll tell you what, Mike Boynton is not going to win a coach of the year this year probably in the Big 12, but I, I know they lost 84-81 last night. They're 10-9. Keep that but, in mind before you say what you're about to say. Right, right. No, no. Here, here's my point. I know, I know. They're a 10-9 basketball team. But I I don't know with zero postseason possibilities, right? You're, you can't even play in the Big 12 championship game. The fact that they're even over – in the Big 12 tournament, the fact that they're even over 500 is pretty impressive to me. And they're in games. You know, they're – they beat Baylor down in Waco. Their only true route was what against Texas Tech down in Lubbock. So I like this team a lot. Um, I, they're they're going to win some games they're not supposed to the rest of the way. Nearly did it last night, but he's he's done a good job of keeping these guys focused. And, and I don't think there's a big big difference between OU and Oklahoma State. I mean, I think those two teams are pretty even. Yeah, I do too. Now there is a big difference on the women's side of things where OU stayed, the women's basketball team, in a tie for the top spot in the Big 12 after uh, beating Oklahoma State. You add to it, hold on, I was trying to pull up my scoreboard and do it rather quickly because this is kind of a tease of big score, uh, big story number one from last night. You add in Oklahoma's win over Oklahoma State. No, oh, by the way, Oklahoma, Texas coming up this weekend. Uh, and Iowa State's win over Kansas along with Baylor's win over Tech. Uh, Texas throttled Kansas State last night in women's basketball. That same Kansas State team that had Aoka Lee score 61 points against the Sooners, uh, she had 20 last night, and, and Texas beat them 66-48. to So Kansas State falls to 5-3 and three in Big 12 play. Texas is up to 5-2, to and two, which means, just real quick, on the women's basketball side, and we're going to go more. I don't know why I decided to do this before we have the top five stories today, which means you got Iowa State and Oklahoma at 6-2 and two in Big 12 play, tied for the top spot, as they have been for the last week. Uh, and you got Texas at 5-2, and two, which is a half game back, and those two teams play each other this weekend. Huge, I'm on the huge call game. For that game. On the call. Um, and then one quick tweet before we hit the top five stories of the day. My man Aaron checked in at Doc Coiner on Twitter and writes, thanks for the flashback to the nostalgia moments, the late 90s, early 2000s, TU hoops, and calling into the predecessors of the Plank Show. I still remember the driving force of ESPN's Bracket Busters day of mid-major conference games was built around Gonzaga and TU. Wow. They used to have the Bracket Buster. That, right? and it would, that is wild. That was a long time about. ago, though. Yeah, it was two basketball and Gonzaga basketball. And Gonzaga, you know, they found a guy in Mark Few that just stuck and didn't go anywhere. Tulsa kind of struggled to find consistency after uh, Bill Self left. You know, Buzz Peterson was pretty good, but had a team that had no business missing the NCAA. Listen, if, if I start down this path, I'm going to talk to you basketball. Gonzaga established itself as... The preeminent mid-major. Beyond mid-major. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean they, they made themselves into what Boise State was for a little bit in college football. In football. Oh, they have a stick to I guess you could say. 
Um, Tulsa on the other hand is struggle. I saw, that that was like my first sports love. When beyond NFL teams, uh, for a team that I covered whenever I was in college, TU basketball and TU football, man. I, I mean, listen, we're going back a long time ago. You're in '93, '94. But there's, I have a lot of passion for that hoops program, and I hate to see where it is right now. So, thanks for the tweet, Doc. Uh, all right, let's hit it. Top five stories of the day. Big story number five. Number five. All right, we're on the road at Cavens Construction, cavensconstruction.com. Jess is going to, Jessica Cavens is going to join us coming up later in the show. Gary is very busy today. Why? Well, because they have expanded into Tulsa, 918-282-7612. You're a business owner in T-Town. You need a maintenance service you can trust. Trust Cavens, um, cavensconstruction.com. All right, big story number five. Your thoughts, Josh, as a fan of a team in the AFC West on the hiring of Nathaniel Hackett at Denver? I don't know a ton about him, to be honest with you. So I don't think it's a bad hire by any means. I think for a lot of fans, now all of a sudden, this is going to be sort of judged on can they lure Aaron Rodgers to Denver, right? Which it's not as if Aaron Rodgers – we touched on this earlier. It's not as if he's a free agent, but uh, right. I, I kind of think a, a lot of this is going to be, can can that happen right here off the top? And if it does, then it sets this up to, to really potentially be a successful marriage. And if it doesn't, we'll see. Th- then it's going to be about, you know, who do you draft to be the quarterback of the future there? Yeah. It is – Going to be a fascinating off season in the Rocky Mountains because, in all honesty, I think John Elway's philosophy will be to because here, here's the thing. Naturally, the ties are going to be this morning uh, to Aaron Rodgers for for Denver with the hiring of Nathaniel Hackett is what Hackett was called its coordinator, quarterbacks coach, and I think he actually you know depending on which I think he called the plays at Green Bay. I don't know. I don't think LaFleur called the plays, but I could be wrong. I'll check with Peter Bukowski on that. But I'll tell you what, Josh, if if you're going to try to go get Aaron Rodgers, they're not giving him to you. It's going to take a package to go get him. So I think you've got a, a an interesting decision to make if you're John Elway, and more specifically they've given all the decision-making power to George Patton, their, their their general manager, from what I understand. And it's going to be, are you willing to give up some future for the now? It's worked for him in the past with Peyton Manning. One of a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning by sort of mortgaging yep. the, the future for the present. We're seeing a lot of teams take that approach anymore. The Rams have taken that approach for this season. They've taken that approach and put all their chips into the center of the table, and we'll see. We'll see if it's going to pay off for him. It looks – I mean, I'm picking the Rams this weekend to beat San Francisco and get back into the Super Bowl. And then from there, hey, it's it's one game to see if you can be a world champion for the Los Angeles Rams. More and more teams are kind yeah. of kind of willing to say, hey, we'll, we'll trade multiple first-round draft picks or we'll trade a first-round and a second to get this player right here, right now. So 
If you get Aaron Rodgers, I can tell you this: yep. the the prospects, the futures for the Denver Broncos is wildly different. Yeah. So. By the way, I, I I am getting so triggered by this stupid edit they've done on Get Up this morning with the highlights that they've aired about a thousand times of Aaron Rodgers throwing passes and like Tim Patrick making the catch and Jerry <laughs> Judy making the catch. It's like, like stop it! This, this is not real life. This is not happening. What? What are you doing? It's like, how foolish. And, uh, the other big announcement this morning is Matt um, Everflus is the new defense, or excuse me, the new head coach of the Chicago Bears, was the defensive coordinator at Indy. So this is like the domino side of thing. Yesterday, the report out of Ann Arbor that Michigan's defensive coordinator is going to be the new defensive coordinator at Baltimore, right? And we kind of wait. Now, Everflus is gone. So what does that mean for Indy's defensive coordinator vacancy? So this is part of that domino process as we wait to see who's next on the coaching front, which gets us to be – oh, anything else you want to add on Everflus or, or the, the Hackett hiring? I, it's kind of interesting because two names that we thought would be among the first two hire, maybe even a third, you know, Jim Caldwell, Doug Peterson, and Dan Quinn. Now where do, where do they end up, Josh? Good question. I like, I like that it's it's somebody new. I know it hasn't necessarily worked out when Denver has gone this route in the past. I'm looking at the sure. note in this release from ESPN from this morning. Since Shanahan was hired in '95, the only Broncos head coaches to take the team to the playoffs had been head coaches before Shanahan, John Fox, and Gary Kubiak, uh, McDaniel's, Vance Joseph. And Fangio didn't work out for any of those three as first-time head coaches. But I don't know. There's something for me to where I like. I know that Caldwell had a successful run in Indianapolis. I kind of like when somebody new, like a Nathaniel Hackett from Green Bay, gets an opportunity. I think that's exciting. It hasn't worked out for Denver in the past. I don't know, though, that you can say, I mean, Shanahan's, Totally separate in that category from John Fox and Gary Kubiak in Denver, but just because it, you know, those two guys took them to the playoffs and McDaniel's Joseph and Fangio didn't, I don't know that you just say, "Hey, it's not going to work right. out with Hackett." And by the way, it's very interesting, Josh, to see kind of how they've gone the the, the path. I could talk about this all day long, so I, I'm trying to put the restrictor plate on me here real quick because I'm fascinated by how different teams decide to try to build or what direction they go as a head coach. They went with the offensive guy, then they went with the defensive guy, then went with an offensive guy, brought back another defensive guy. and They went with the up-and-comer, then they went with the vet. Another up-and-comer, then a vet. Now they go back with an up-and-comer. Meanwhile, a developing situation as we continue with big story number five. Moments ago, Adam Schefter tweets, when the Jaguars' private plane was in Denver on Monday, it wasn't there to take Nathaniel Hackett to Jacksonville for an interview. Pause real quick on the tweet and tell you. Yesterday there was a report that um, Byron Leftwich was going to be named the next head coach of Jacksonville. Well, immediately it was shot down because it became rumored that Nathaniel Hackett was actually going to get the job. And Adam Schefter then reports this morning that the private plane wasn't in Denver to pick up Nathaniel Hackett and bring him to Jacksonville, Josh. It was there to pick up former Broncos head coach Vic Fangio, 
who was interviewed for the Bronco are the Jaguars head coach's job, and Fangio is a leading candidate now to take over at Jacksonville. Wow. So talk about landing on your feet potentially, huh? Wow. All right. Uh, quickly, big story number four. Number four. All right. This is this is interesting. Big Ben retires this morning officially. So we can start the clock, if you will, on what's next for Big Ben. I will say um, for as much as the dude was constantly in the news for all the wrong reasons, uh, he ended up riding the ship pretty well. Wife, three kids. I don't see him being in that mix, Josh, of guys that we talk about late in the season. Oh, could they call Big Ben and see if he comes back? But I'm also going to be real curious to see if he ends up on TV. I don't, I, you know, I never thought Troy Aikman would be all that great on TV, and he's ended up being a rock star. I never, you know, really thought too terribly much of Tony Romo, but he's ended up being coveted. You never know. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what Big Ben's next step is, but he's done in Pittsburgh. Which gets us to big story number three. Number three. Did you want to add something on that? I yeah, j- just just one thing on Roethlisberger. I don't think he'd be good in the broadcast booth. I could see him being really good in studio. You know what? Thank. That's. There's nothing wrong with that either, right? I mean, there's certain guys that you give them the game to talk about, and they're amazing. You sit him in a studio, and you're like, is he okay? Then vice versa, there's other guys who put them on a game, and they're used to being in the studio, and they just won't shut up. Remember when they had Terry Bradshaw do a game? They had Terry Bradshaw and Jimmy Johnson do a game a couple years ago, and they didn't have a play-by-play guy, and it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible, and you're like, okay, these guys are better off in the in this studio. Maybe that's it with Big Ben. They're always evolving. Who's in that mix? And I mean, listen, look at NBC's crew. They got 16 people on a pregame show, and all of them say the exact same thing. So I don't really see why that would be too shocking to see him end up in the studio. I like it, Josh. Uh, big story number three two quick notes from yesterday as we count down to the AFC and NFC championship games. First, it's a, a matchup of two teams that are very familiar with each other. In the NFC Championship game, Sean McVay is 0-6 against the San Francisco 49ers, and Jimmy Garoppolo points it out, not going to be anything surprising here. Maybe. Maybe. You always go back and watch the prior games. That's kind of where it starts, and then you kind of just take it from there, the games that they've played recently. I mean, we know these guys as well as as well as possible, playing for a third time now. It'll, nothing will really surprise us, I wouldn't say. Uh, meanwhile, on the NFC side of things, Joe Burrow. Can't let a team like this get out in front of you because then, you know, they put a lot of pressure on you on defense. You know, we got down 14 nothing in the last game, and it's not exactly where we wanted to be at that point in the game. We were able to, to fight out of it and ended up winning the game, but, you know, we'd like to have a stronger start. Meanwhile, we got some clarification on the Jamar Chase story from yesterday about his commitment to Kansas. Les Miles told me I couldn't play receiver uh, when I was coming out of high school. So, you know, that was something I had on my shoulders growing up. Les Miles told me. Uh, he thought I could play cornerback. Um, I wasn't really in full position at receiver yet. So, you know, I just kept working in my craft uh, off season, waking up early in the mornings to work out. Um, I just kept focused. So Jamar Chase was committed to Kansas. David Beatty, remember, was actually the guy who had recruited him and got him to commit. And when Les took over during that off season, that's whenever it wasn't a, 
argument from a position coach. The clarification is Les actually took over and he was committed as a receiver. And Les is like, no, 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 man, you're a cornerback. <laughs> I I would say that didn't necessarily work out too terribly well. Yeah, Les didn't realize, dude, this is not LSU. If if he wants to come to Kansas as a wide receiver, why don't you just go ahead and get his ass to Kansas as a wide receiver? <laughs> All right, big story number two. Number two. Um, th- there is so much going on right now in in recruiting and in player movement in college football. It is truly a fascinating time right now. So we talked yesterday about Gentry Williams. Looks like he's all in. And I know that some people are um, – uh, some people need any like some more affirmation, but he basically said, "Hey, I'm I'm all for OU," so he's in, which is I think a big tip of the cap to the job that Jay Valai did and the new uh, Oklahoma defensive coaching staff. Meanwhile, with next Wednesday's signing day looming, a couple of more 2022 guys will be keeping an eye on, but. Josh, on the recruiting side of things, it seems like there's also even more attention paid to 2023 right now, and you're seeing a lot of offers go out for Oklahoma. 2023, 2024, I uh, just last night wrote another piece, F- five uh, recent offers in the 2023 and 2024 classes that Oklahoma has sent out. You can check that out at soonerswire.usatoday.com. And uh, the huddle tape, all that good stuff's right there. So, no, they're staying busy, man. And I think we've touched on this, you know, recently, but Grayson Halton, who had committed to Oregon, has decommitted. I mean, anybody you can think of for the most part, your McQuistians, your Drums, your Thunes of the world on the Oklahoma beat, they have all switched their crystal balls, rivals, future casts to uh, Grayson Halton coming to Oklahoma. So I think that's somebody on signing day. That's a 2022 kid, defensive lineman, that OU is going to wind up with. Be big. Be big. Uh, and, and I wanted to bring this up, too, and I know it's 1021, so I, I'll, I'll probably need to table it for a while. But, you know, if you just take two seconds during your day, and I know we're all busy, and I hate it when people it's like, well, you, you go Google it up yourself. No, no, no. It's, it's kind of our job to, to know this stuff or take that extra time so you don't have to. It's, it's, but take a moment at some point tonight. Maybe even maybe even tomorrow, go to Soonersports.com. Go to the football page. Now, the roster hasn't quite been updated yet. But, like, look at the coaching staff. Back in the day, the coaching staff that was listed were the 10 assistant coaches, and that was it. Now you kind of start digging in. There's Schmidt's crew with, with Coach, Coach Schmidt, with, with James Dobson in the mix, with Scotty Kolak. Uh, Jose Matias has been added. Reggie McGrew, you have the Thad Turnip seeds, the Woody Glass, who's a special assistant uh, to the head coach now. Woody's a, a very well-known attorney that is a special assistant to, to head coach. You got Julie Lewis, you got J.R. Sandlin, Lee Davis, Drew Hill. You got the director of football ops, John Kelly, who's listening here. Xavier Brewer, you got all the defensive assistants. Courtney Viney's back uh, as a recruiting analyst. You know, they, um, they've got everyone. They've got everyone listed on here. And it reminds you, Josh, just how just how deep this staff is going to be 
And then in that, you know, there's like five names I know of that aren't, aren't even listed. Uh, among, I mean, director of creative design, video coordinator, grad assistant, offensive analyst. It, it, this is SEC, baby. So uh, that's what I saw, and it got me really fired up because I'm like, hey, let's go. This is what it's supposed to look like. The SEC-ification of Oklahoma very much has been underway. I mean, there, there are assistants on analysts upon recruiting directors. It's uh, There's a bunch of, bunch of talented people in Norman. It's exciting. Yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. All right, uh, it gets us to big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Oh. By the way, when I said Courtney, I mean, that's champ. I'm sorry. I'm just, I, I was just kind of rolling through names. Just, you know, Chip Viney is, is still around. That's Courtney Viney is his full name. Uh, big story one. All right, let's get a break because I've, I've gone long, but we're going to recap both games from last night. The OU win over West Virginia and the other men's game, OU, OSU and Iowa State. It was, it was a fascinating matchup in the Big 12. And I want to spend some time talking about Jenny Baranchek's team as well right here on The Ref, live from Cavens Construction. Uh, we might, yeah, boy, they're not messing around, are they, Josh? It looks like we might have our third head coaching hiring and our third G, uh, well, we would only have one GM opening after this. Mike Jarecki, who would know he covers the Arizona Cardinals and has for years is reporting that Adrian Wilson looks like he's going to be the new general manager of Jacksonville. He, uh, for those that aren't familiar, Adrian Adrian Wilson was most recently a a, a standout safety in the NFL. I want to say he, okay, I'm going to guess here. I'm just I'm looking this up. I want to say he retired in like 15. You think I'm going to be close? Sure. Yeah, you'll be close. All right. Let's see. All right. Let's see here. His final year of playing was. Uh, 2002. 2012. 2012. Not bad. Yeah, you were you were within the graduation That's cycle. Not off. bad at all. Not too shabby. Yeah, yeah, I was within the four-year graduation cycle. So Adrian Wilson hired as their GM, and Byron left, which officially is their head coach. So that would mean of the nine head coaching vacancies in the NFL, you would still have six. Let me see if I can do this off the top of my head. Giants, Raiders, Saints. I have completely spaced on the rest of them. But those are the three major ones that everyone will be talking about. I I thought I was going to try to do it off the top of my head, and I failed miserably. But it it is, without a doubt, a fascinating time whenever you start seeing these vacancies get filled. All right. Uh, So the Vikings, Raiders, Giants, Dolphins, and Saints would be the – oh, Texans. Texans are still left. So six of the nine still to be filled. I did pretty good without cheating. Did okay. I got two of them. Meanwhile, all the GMs would be higher now except for the Raiders, right? That sounds correct, yes. Do you have a leading candidate that you would like to see in Las Vegas? No. Um, I I want – I don't – I feel like – this is just my opinion. Every single person I've ever wanted to get the job 
and doesn't get it and say go somewhere else, I'm like, oh gosh, that they let him go. So he's and they end up getting fired in two years. <laughs> like I've never been madder than when they let Hugh Jackson go. And I think that worked out okay for me, Josh. Yeah, I think so you've how you've dare they right. let Hugh Jackson go. And then he yeah, he ends up being terrible. But I don't I mean, I like the I like the indie guy, the Indianapolis Colts general manager. I like the I like the guy that they interviewed from Pittsburgh yesterday. Their assistant GM, but you know the Steelers technically have a general manager vacancy too, because Kevin Colbert's retiring after the draft. So we'll see. But I don't because I'm always wrong, and I think most of the time, if we know a general manager's name, he's already in an established place where he's not going anywhere, or he's already failed, or at least been fired at one place. Like I'm, I'm sorry. Brett Veach isn't walking through that door for the Raiders' general manager's job, right? I like Chris Ballard a lot, but I don't think he's leaving Indy to go to to Vegas. And I – is this – okay, one more thing that's wrong with me. Is it wrong with me that I don't want anyone from the Bill Belichick coaching tree because I really don't feel like they've gone anywhere and succeeded without Belichick or Brady? McDaniels it just doesn't excite you, right? No, though I will say John Robinson was in the – he was the general manager with the Titans. He was from that uh, Patriots coaching tree, like general manager, administrative tree, and it's worked out okay. But, yeah, no, Josh McDaniels does not do anything for me. And uh, I know you probably don't read this like I do just because I'm a Raiders idiot. But they're treating it like, well, it's got to be the right structure for Josh McDaniels. It's got to be this and it's got to be that. I'm like, he's lucky anyone wants to interview him. He backed out on the Colts. He failed with the Broncos. Why are we all losing our mind, Josh, to try to create the proper structure for Josh McDaniels when you can go to Kansas City and hire Eric Bieniemy right now? Yeah, and he got waxed in the playoffs by Buffalo. It looked hapless offensively. Anyway, no one cares about it. Let's move on. The Sooners last night got a much-needed win on the road as they knocked off West Virginia on the men's side. Uh, last night, Porter Moser mixed the lineup up a little bit, and EJ Harkless played just four minutes. Wow! No, he was—he's he, healthy, and Elijah's going to be a huge part of what we're doing. I mean, tonight was a, a thing where I, I shook up the lineup, just trying to see, you know. And I told him, I said, "You're going to play," and he got in there, and then he got two fouls, and then you know, Marvin. It was just a, a, kind of how we went through the game. You know, Marvin was doing well, Jacob was doing well, but um, you know, we were just trying to give a different vantage point for EJ. Um, maybe coming off the bench might, might, might help, but I mean, he's a, he's been a big part of what we're doing and we're, we're going to be counting on him, uh, moving forward, but, uh, it's good to get deeper. Um, and I thought, uh, we rolled with Marvin and Jacob and I thought those guys were doing really well. Same with CJ Nolan, you know, I've been really been confident. I mean, he had a, his ears, a freshman coming to this atmosphere, coming back from a concussion. He was, he had a great first half against Kansas, but counting on him too. So it's only helping us get confidence in more guys. There what do you, you go. think, Josh? Yep. Sounds like to me, and, and I almost said this earlier, but hadn't listened to the post game. I, I kind of wondered if things just started out well enough to where you said, uh, tonight I, I, I can't switch back. Can't, can't put Elijah Harkless back out there because let's call it what it was. Oklahoma last night's desperate for a win. They need one. Sure. Now, it kind of felt like a must win to me. Was it a must win? I, I guess not. But you'd like to not arrive in a situation to where you've lost six straight, which was 
pretty dangerously close if you don't win last night when you're off to the number one team in the country playing Auburn this weekend in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. So things start going that well. You know, Groves and not Tanner Groves, but Jacob Groves and Marvin Johnson are playing the way that they did. Kind of can't tweak back when, when it's going well for you. So obviously you get – Marvin Johnson playing the way that he's playing. C.J. Nolan, we touched on that earlier. He's provided really nice minutes for you at times. I wouldn't have any illusions here that all of a sudden Elijah Harkless is not a big, big factor in what OU's going to be doing the rest of the way. And as soon as yeah, this weekend. Oh, no, absolutely. Sure. He could be this weekend against Auburn. Here's a little bit more on just the overall feel getting a win in a tough place like Morgantown. Oh, it, was, it was really big, Eric. You know, I – I know we we had a couple of these these zooms and just asking about like you know are our guys heads down are we are we you know down, you know we're, we were upset that we lost but there was a lot of fight in this I mean every we, we realized like every game's an opportunity we came to practice our preparation with the coaches um, these guys the coaches staff were on it the players were on it and um, you know you, you credit the whole group it was it was it was strength in numbers with the belief. You know, we had strength in numbers. We were, we were really our staff. Everybody was was here, and there was we had we literally we we, we had about four to five Sooner fans in this building, <laughs> and uh, and it was a wild atmosphere. And uh, just just excited for the guys to kind of stop the bleeding, but also get a, a big win. It's going to be that win's going to be there. You know, on our on our on our sheet, and uh, want to build off it. And I know I'm going to get a lot of questions about a lot of different guys that stepped up, and we did. You know, I thought Marvin Johnson came in and gave a lot of energy. Jacob Groves gave us a ton of energy, gave us a super nice lift. And those guys have been practicing hard. They just their effort that you can just see how much they're hang, wanting to be there. And um, I, I thought both those guys did a nice job. And I thought Bijan, I thought Bijan did some really nice things in a tough, tough. There's not a lot of freshmen. They're going to come into this atmosphere with that kind of heat. I mean, those were some older guys. I mean, those guards are older, and, man, they were coming at it. So uh, good good group win with the guys believing they could come in here and win. Good stuff. And now they will continue the road trip down to Auburn, Alabama, for a showdown with the number one-ranked Tigers on Saturday. Sooner State in Morgantown last night. They'll travel directly from Morgantown, West Virginia to Auburn, Alabama today. How about the women's side? When we come back, we'll hear from Ginny Baranchek plus Joey Helmer in 20 minutes from now as we talk a lot of Sooner football recruiting. It's been a big day with NFL breaking news. Big day. Bears apparently have settled on Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator at Indianapolis. Looks like for the second day in a row we have a Byron Leftwich to the Jacksonville Jaguars report. Nathaniel Hackett is going to be the next head coach of the Denver Broncos. So six vacancies remain in the NFL. It's the Plank Show. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. With Josh Helmer, I'm Chris Plank. Tommy checked in on a Twitter at Plank Show at Josh on Ref and writes, being a native Wichita, Wichita, if you're from Wichita, native what would I say, Josh? I don't want to botch this. Native of Wichita. Yeah, Wichita. Wichita, Wichita, uh, the Shockers I, yeah, playing Wichita. TU. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The Shockers playing TU in the MVC and the original bracket buster games were amazing. Oh, dude. Yep. Usually Some of those Wichita Missouri State Valley would lose uh, those games. 
My first road game I ever called as a radio noob was Kathy McConnell Miller as the head women's basketball coach at TU. And we went on the road and played at Wichita. And I was so excited. I was so, and mind you, this shows you how long ago this was, Josh. It was pre-smartphones. It was pre probably cell phones. But I literally had to print out the directions to take them with me. That's I had to awesome. go like on MapQuest or something. And I remember getting there. And, you know, I, I, I watched. I, I was thinking about Xavier McDaniel and all the greats that I saw play for Wichita. And, you know, the plane crash that shut down the football program. So I was all excited to go there. And then when your team loses, you're like, I just want to get out of here. I just want to go home. <laughs> this sucks. I hate this so, place. What a dump. Josh, this place, is, this place is terrible. I'm never coming back here again. So you went to uh, Coke Arena, though? Yeah, yeah, man. It was. Is that the one that's on campus? The one that's yes, kind of unique. Yeah, this was old school. This wasn't new. This was old school, but it was a good time. I really enjoyed it. Um, so if the Jag, quick, quick NFL note, then I'll get back to Jenny Bronchek, Josh. If the Jaguars are hiring a general manager, does that mean Trent Balky is out at Jacksonville? I don't know, but yeah, I mean, it would seem that way. <laughs> I mean, if 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 you're seeing the reports that they're bringing in Adrian Wilson to be their GM, because that's what all the clown stuff was about. That's that final week of the season when Jacksonville played Indy. That's what all the clown masks and they they were mad at Trent Baalke, whom I thought was like a really good general manager, but I guess all he wants to do is watch film. He doesn't care about anything else. So, hey. Just a little, little note here this morning on another potential move in the National Football League. Now, last night, now, was the women's basketball game on after your coaches show, Josh, or was it on 1400 in Norman instead of your coaches show last night? It, it was on instead of. So, ah, gotcha. And uh, it, it would have been, uh, yeah, it, it would have been going on at the exact same yeah. time. There you go. So here was a little bit of Jenny Baranchek's post game with Brian Brinkley from the Sooner Radio Network, which you heard right here. You health post game interview, and coach, congratulations on the win. This was kind of a, I don't know, this was a pretty game. It was physical. It was a little bit sloppy. Yeah. But I think this is the kind of game that Liz likes, and she really <laughs> excelled at it. And boy, what a night for her! And you end up just really just dominated that fourth quarter to pull away and win. Well, I thought we came out of the gates really strong, and I thought really even in that second quarter, you know, we missed a few that maybe we normally make. And so for us to be able to kind of play through some of that, I was I was just really proud of us. You know, we've had a lot of stuff, and um, and to be able to bounce back from a from a tough game and to be able to come in today and just be able to play yeah. like that, I'm just I'm really really proud of us. Well, and you, I don't know that you you've. Run this defense maybe at all this year too much, but that zone really was effective against them. They were they looked confused to start the game, and they never really looked comfortable the whole game against it. Well, I thought we did a much better job of really playing team defense. I think you know that's something that we're just really trying to learn now. Um, you know, from from a standpoint of our rebounding, I think we can do a little bit better. However, we did hold them, you know, to low shooting percentage, yeah. so there's going to be more opportunities. But I do think that we can do a much better job of continuing to finish the play. Um, but I, like like you talked about, I think Liz Scott, I thought had, a, had an excellent game today in terms of really being able to bounce back from a tough game. Yeah. And
physical game and then really be able to go in the paint on both ends and keep it physical and I do I think I think she excels in that area by the way I, I did want to say great stuff uh from coach Bronchek you can hear oh that whole interview is going to be on the podcast page <laughs> I, I am really failing at my job right now Josh Helmer I Liz Scott had fouled out in like four of the last five games for the Sooners she she it had been a bit of a struggle so to see her go out and have a good game i thought was pretty big and now going forward got a big one texas coming up this weekend with a chance to maybe potentially grab sole possession of first place it's pretty awesome good time good stuff from Ginny bronchek and the women's team with that win last night all right uh so he caught up when we come back gary cavins is going to join us to wrap up hour number two joey helmer's coming up right after the top of the hour the plank show is on the road today we're at cavins construction and cavinsconstruction.com also an incredible amount of growth in the tulsa area for cavins 918-282-7612 and a norman at 573-3048 all right welcome back into the plank show uh to wrap up hour number two we're pumped to be joined by gary cavins look at you good morning man how hey, are you good morning chris it's doing great it's outstanding we rode a little bit of a weather roller coaster this week, did we not? Uh, yes, we did. Most definitely. No questions. I was The kids were real excited last night. The snow for us was really just to get the dog's paws dirty enough to jump all over the furniture. Um, <laughs> but I guess what? We're, my, we were going over it because my daughter wants to ride her, her horse. How much of a challenge, I feel like we talk about this a lot, but how much of a challenge is it for you whenever – you know, here we're going to be 16 degrees tomorrow um, at, at, at times, right? It's going to be, or, excuse me, Saturday. Well, it's going to be cold one day this weekend. But then next week it's going to be like in the 40s and the 50s. Gary, how challenging is that from a, a business owner's perspective to try to be helping out people nonstop and you're 50, 67, 62, then all of a sudden the next day, it's 30, 29, 25. How big of a challenge is that? You know, it's, it's, uh, it is a challenge, but it's a challenge that can be overcome easily. You know, it's like I tell the guys, I said, dress in layers, be prepared. <laughs> um, you know, if it's going to be raining and, and a lot of snow and a lot of stuff going on, I always tell them to bring an extra pair of clothes because you just never know what you're going to get into. It's, it's like I always say, it changes by the phone call, it changes by the opportunity, and we do so many different things between our facility maintenance, our environmental and emergency construction response. We just do so much that, you know, you just never know what you're getting into one day to the next. Well, and it's, it's very challenging, I think, whenever you look at the world of businesses who don't have a maintenance staff or sorority houses or fraternity houses that might be empty for a amount of time or – uh, corporations, they need a maintenance department, and maybe they've lost it in a budget cut. Maybe they haven't committed to it. You ride this weather roller coaster, Gary, and magnifies how much you need it, and you guys are here to help. It's one of your uh, – and we've seen it blow up in Tulsa, too, in a good way. That's right, 100%. Uh, Tulsa's been great, and just everything's been great. You know, facility maintenance-wise, commercial maintenance, you know, we can help with doors, uh, flooring, drywall repairs, painting, acoustical ceiling, um, uh, electrical HVAC, uh, plumbing, uh, just the list, uh, help assemble furniture, and the list goes on and on and on. Anything you need construction-wise for your business, we can help with. Uh, environmental, Cavens environmental-wise, you know, we're mold testing, mold remediation, uh, crime scene cleanup, um, just uh, air duct cleaning, dryer vent cleaning, carpet cleaning, tile cleaning, um, you know, and it, the, the list just goes on and on and on. Um, with environmental too because we never know what's going to come up the next opportunity 
um, can you know commercial construction help remodel your business you know bring it up to date it can be a small remodel as far as just painting the walls putting new flooring in just updating it or gutting and totally redoing so there's just so much that there so many little things too that maybe you might look at and say hey well i i can just handle that and then you start and you realize well wait i'm trying to handle this and i have to worry about this employee and that project and 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 this piece of of billing i mean gary you you take this stress out of the hands for business owners everywhere it's it's unparalleled. Yes, 100%. That's what we're here to do, to simplify the business owner's life and to simplify the process and to get in and and, and make their business look brand new and fix whatever problems they have or whatever safety problems they may have um, and, and get their business back running 100%. 405 I got a minute. We also want to remind you, Chris is here to make sure your That's roof right. is in good shape. You've got a residential roofing need, give, give us a call. Chris can come out and take care of you. Um, and get your roof inspected and repaired, whatever you need. Uh, commercial construction, too. Plumbing, they've got you covered. Caving construction. Thanks, Gary. Look at you. Well, thank I you, mean, Chris. You have this timing thing down. I know. I love it. All right, quick awesome. break. Joey Elmer's next.